Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. The Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Steroids Podcast. A couple of announcements today before we get on to answering the questions. Excited to announce that Steroids Podcast is going to be offering a couple of coaching services here. And so let me tell you about what those are going to be. The first one is going to be one-hour Skype consultations. One-hour Skype or WhatsApp uh, audio or video consultations. And so these are going to be, we're going to do a phone call or a video call. It's up to you what your preference is. And during that one hour, you can ask me whatever your questions are and we can have a discussion. It's going to be totally uncensored you know anything goes and it'll be just like the steroids podcast um, with the questions and answers except that you know I will be doing that directly with you so if you enjoy the steroids podcast and you've got a lot out of it this will be very valuable to you because you'll be able to have a one-on-one hour conversation with me about you know what you need to do training diet steroids in order to achieve your physique goals. Okay, so that's going to be $59, and the payment can be taken over PayPal or Bitcoin or Cash App, and that is effective starting immediately, okay? So you can email me at steroidspodcast at gmail.com in order to inquire about the one-hour Skype consultation coaching services, okay? Now, the second service is going to be text messaging-based coaching. And this one puts you in the closest contact with me. So the text messaging-based coaching is going to be occurring over the application WhatsApp. And WhatsApp is a text messaging application where you can send pictures, videos, and send text messages And so you'll have my phone number and you'll be able to speak with me and get answers to your questions throughout the day. And this puts you in very close contact with me. The way it will feel when we're doing that, the text messaging based coaching is it will feel like we're buddies. I mean, that's always how I've wanted it to be. You know, ever since I wrote Ultimate Guide to Roids and started the Steroids podcast, I want this to be a very personal uh, connection between me who is making this and you who is listening to this or reading to this. So that's going to be how the text messaging based coaching is. And it's going to put you in a very close contact with me since you'll be able to send me messages and get answers to your questions throughout the day. 
And again, this coaching is not going to be some kind of pussyfoot coaching the way that a lot of these guys do where you hire them and then they tell you the wrong dosages, etc., that you need to use to be getting what you need to do, okay? We're going to be doing the right diet, the right training, and the right drugs, and the right dosages to get you to your goal, okay? This is going to be very, very honest coaching service, and it's not going to be something where you feel like you're kind of moving towards your goals, but it's just okay. No, we're going to have you moving in a direct, straight line exactly to where your goals are needing to go. And we're going to be having getting a plan going that is going to be a straight line directly to your goals, and you will feel confident about that. So the text message coaching is $99 a month, and that can be paid for with Bitcoin, Cash App, or PayPal. And it can also be paid with by credit card over credit card processor. And that's the same thing with the consultations. The Skype consultations can also be paid for with credit card, Visa, MasterCard, etc. Uh, over a payment processor, over an online payment processor. So if we're inquiring about the coaching, hit me up at steroidspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on the website. Honestly, the email, though, that's the most effective way to get in contact with me. So steroidspodcast at gmail.com, the same as the website, steroidspodcast.com. That's the same way that you do the Gmail. So get in contact with me for that. There's obviously limited spots on this because obviously this is going to take up a lot of my time doing uh, Skype consultations with you guys um, because each one of those is an hour. And then in addition to that, having the guys who I'm working with very closely, um, it's going to be taking up a lot of my time with the text messaging coaching because I'm going to be text messaging you guys throughout the day. So obviously there's limited spots. I can't take on everyone. So if you're interested in that, get on that. So without further ado, let's get on to the questions for today. The first question is from O'Neill, who asks, when it comes to putting on mass, is testosterone the number one anabolic or should other steroids be used as the main mass builders? Um, yeah, so testosterone is the number one synergistic anabolic, okay? Testosterone works better with other steroids at building muscle than any other steroid, okay? But it isn't necessarily the best anabolic. Like, okay, so testosterone is the healthiest best anabolic, okay? It has not many negative health effects if you're able to keep your estrogen in range. So some people say, you know, I can't keep my estrogen in range um, you know, over 700 milligrams of testosterone a week or over a thousand milligrams of testosterone a week. Different people have different sensitivities to estrogen conversion from testosterone. And this is so individual. You know, some people may not even have to use any anti-estrogen tablet on 700 or a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week. And other people, you know, even taking exemestane 25 milligrams every, every single day might not be enough to prevent them from having itchy burning nipples and estrogen side effects like bloating and stuff, okay? It's so highly individual. So 
if you're one of these guys that does not create a lot of estrogen, then something like Arimidex or Exemestane, when you are using testosterone in high dosages, you know, something from a few tablets per week up to one tablet every day would be, you know, reasonable dosages. But for other guys, even taking one, like for, for me, for example, take if I'm on a thousand milligrams of pharmaceutical grade testosterone per week, um, taking one exemestane tablet every single day will still result in me having high estrogen levels. And, you know, I would get, I would get gyno. I would need more than that. So for people who have highly aromatizing bodies, meaning their bodies produce a lot of the aromatase enzyme, the enzyme that converts or transforms testosterone into estrogen, those people have to use letrozole. So if I use more, if I use a thousand milligrams of testosterone or more per week, I have to use letrozole, okay? That is the ticket. Letrozole is so much more powerful than Arimidex or Exemestane. So the way that goes with the letrozole is, you know, one tablet of letrozole is roughly the equivalent of an estrogen suppression as two or three tablets of Arimidex or Exemestane. It is much more potent. So guys that say, you know, I can't use a lot of estrogen converting steroids because I have estrogen problems. I'm really sensitive to estrogen. I'm just telling you that the ticket to overcoming that struggle is using letrozole. Okay. So people who are worried about, uh, because they've heard things like letrozole makes people feel like shit or something. That's only for people that don't create a lot of estrogen. But if you are a guy that creates a lot of estrogen, estrogen, you know, letrozole will not make you feel like shit. It will actually make you feel good because you'll be able to easily control your estrogen levels for the first time in your life. If you've always struggled with it and found like, oh my God, you know, whenever I go over two cc's of testosterone per week, you know, the estrogen, it just, you know, screws up everything. Well, dude, you need to get on that letrozole train, man, because it will change everything. You know, from, from 1000 milligrams per week of testosterone, up to 1,500 milligrams per week of testosterone, you know, one letrozole tablet per day, the letrozole tablets are dosed at 2.5 milligrams per tablet. That's the standard dosage for letrozole, okay? And one of those per day will completely um, put me in the normal estrogen range and everything will be good. Whereas, you know, on that same dosage, I might actually need to be, you know, I would at least be needing to use two exemestane per day, you know, or uh, two, two Arimidex per day. And you know what? Some days that might not even be enough and I'd have to use even three. So like for Exemestane, 50 to 75 milligrams or Arimidex, you know, two to three milligrams per day, which is, it's too high. You know, it's too much. That's, that's not what you want to be doing. You don't want to be, you know, taking like multiple tablets of anti-estrogens per day, every day, you know? And so that's why Letrozole is such a valuable tool because it's, you know, it just, it stops the estrogen conversion. If you are a high estrogen converter, you know, when you find letrozole, that's going to change things. And when you use that, your body will function as someone who is not a high estrogen converter. That's why letrozole is so, um, so valuable. And so for you guys that have trouble with using testosterone, that will be one of the things using letrozole and discovering that will be one of the things that allows you to start using high testosterone dosages, which allows you then to start putting on that big, thick uh, muscle tissue. And, you know, this is one of the things, too, is that, you know, there's different types of muscle tissue. You know that men's physique type of muscle 
tissue that it's not really thick. It's not really 3D. It's still like, for example, the muscles will look long and lean. Okay, long and lean, and they will have a, a good definition and stuff, but it doesn't have that big, thick slab of 3D bodybuilder-type looking muscle, okay? So if you are looking for that big, 3D, thick bodybuilder-type looking muscle, you know, that does not look natural at all, it doesn't look like a fake natural at all, okay? It looks like a bodybuilder you got to be using dosages, you know, minimum of 1000 milligrams of steroids per week. Okay. And like I said, using testosterone, testosterone is the body's natural chemical. So when you're on testosterone dosages and you get your blood work done, even when you're taking high testosterone dosages, you will notice, you will see this in your blood work. Hey, this doesn't affect my health negatively. Whereas when you were taking other steroids and you take your blood work, you will see, Oh, this affects my health negatively. That's because it's the natural chemical. It's the natural hormone. Okay? Yeah, of course, taking, you know, monster dosages when you're going up, you know, to a vial, you know, one 10 milliliter vial or more per week, like pro bodybuilders do, of testosterone. Yes, that does negatively affect your health and it does negatively affect your blood work. Okay? But, you know, going up around 1,000 milligrams per week, or even up to 1,500 milligrams per week or so, you know, the effects on your blood work that show, you know, whether your body is functioning optimally and functioning healthily, you know, doing those, it, I can't say that, you know, for you, for sure, you know, it will not harm you, but for the vast majority of people, it does not affect their blood work in like a big negative way where, if a doctor saw it, they would think like, oh, shit, you know, you're definitely on steroids and, you know, you're really screwing over your health. I've gone lots of times to doctors and had them take my blood work when I've been on high dosages of testosterone only. And they have said my blood work is perfect. OK. And then I've been other times when I've been on things like Tranbolone or Clenbuterol or Dianabol and stuff like that and the doctors have looked at my blood work and been like holy fuck like what are you doing to your body okay <laughs> the thing with testosterone and this is why it's so valuable is that the bo it's the natural hormone to the body and the body knows exactly what to do with it so when you put in these super physiological dosages of it you're not going and putting in some kind of weird chemical that your body has no idea what the hell is this and it starts freaking out and causing a bunch of health problems, okay? So testosterone is extremely valuable. There's other ways to get in high dosages of anabolics. So if you want to do bodybuilding the healthy way or the healthiest way, you know, stay away from oral steroids for the most part. Just use them for small amounts of time. They are Oral steroids are generally much stronger than injectable steroids. They just are, and that's one of the reasons why you know, they're tempting to use uh, a lot. And, but the way to longevity, having a big, strong, healthy body that you're able to maintain that for decades is to rely mostly on injectables and to use everything else sparingly. And when we're talking injectables to rely on, we're not talking about very many different injectables either. Like we're basically talking testosterone, primobolin, equipoise, DECA. 
And really, if you're relying on a lot of other things to be, like, as far as steroids go, as far as male hormones go, um, if you're relying on a lot of other things to be, you know, constantly maintaining and building your physique, you know, that's going to be taking a very harsh uh, a very harsh effect on your overall long-term health. And there's going to be a timer on that of how long you can do that before it bites you in the ass. So that's one of the reasons why I talk very highly about testosterone. And it's one of the reasons that the guys who do this for a long time and they know what they're doing, they all say, yeah, I like testosterone a lot. You guys got to, it's important to meet people in the gym in, in the gym you go to or in gyms you do you will go to, etc., you got to talk to the other steroid users because just reading this stuff on the internet, like, you really do not get the full picture. You, you get, you know, who knows who it is who's typing this stuff out that you're listening to, and a lot of times it's such garbage information. You got to be, you know, this information is very well guarded. That's why with the steroids podcast, you know, this podcast that I do for you guys and also my book, Ultimate Guide to Roids, you know, a lot of you guys say, like, I've been searching for this information everywhere, but I just could not find it. Yeah, that's because it doesn't exist on the Internet. Like, this content that I'm producing for you guys is the first time that this real-world way, like, the real way of doing performance-enhancing drugs and doing them to a high level and doing them for a long time and maintaining them has ever been released to the public. So... It's very important to know not only, you know, what you read on the internet, which is mostly completely bullshit, and you should really disregard mostly everything that you've read on the internet uh, regarding steroid use, and to be start talking to people in real life who are big guys who have maintained their physiques over decades. Uh, that is very important. So, like I said, it's, it's not like the people... Uh, who are big have always completely relied on testosterone and some people don't, but they do rely on those injectable anabolics. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So some people do just use, you know, one CC, two CC, three CCs of testosterone per week, you know, but then they're using, you know, a gram of equipoise per week or a gram and a half of equipoise per week or DECA per week, you know, a gram of DECA per week or uh, a gram of Primobolin per week, like equipoise, DECA, Primobolin, testosterone. Those are basically your four choices if you want to do bodybuilding for a long time and you want to maintain a strong physique, a big physique, not be, you know, fucking up your health and having, you know, extreme consequences down the road. Those are basically your four options. And so if you're thinking about making bodybuilding and steroids something that you're doing for a long period of time, I highly recommend um, experimenting with those drugs and seeing which ones are the ones that you know suit your body because everyone's body is different and which ones create the least side effects and the most gains for them um, and you know using them if you want to get big 3d thick muscle like a bodybuilder you know not like a fake natural or something but you actually want to look like yeah I have thick slabs of muscle built up the truth is is you've got to use one of those hormones at a thousand milligrams per week or more like point blank i'm telling you that right now that is what you have to do and since testosterone is the natural hormone it is the most healthiest one out of those four hormones primable and equipoise deca and testosterone that you can use that's why it's such an important steroid obviously you have got to use uh 
you got to control your estrogen in order to make it effective. But um, one of the reasons why back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, why testosterone wasn't so widely used and they were using you know, more equipoise, more primobolin, more DECA. Equipoise and DECA were the ones that were really being used a lot in dosages like three grams per week, four grams per week, stuff like that back in those days. The reason for that is because they didn't have anti-estrogen aromatase inhibitor tablets back then. All they had was Nolvidex starting in the 70s, and Nolvidex does not reduce the systemic estrogen or the total level of estrogen in your body. All it does is just block it mostly at the nipple, the estrogen receptor in your nipple, and not really effectively anywhere else. So they simply had no way of controlling the estrogen from testosterone, and so we're left with no other choice. And then once the uh, once in the early 90s, Arimidex, Letrozole, and Exemestane came out, and they were now on the market. Now testosterone could be used, and it is the healthiest injectable anabolic to be using and it builds mass like crazy yes you can build mass on those other injectable anabolics but you do have to use those dosages of them in a thousand milligrams plus and you have to be on them for a long period of time a lot of guys will hear what i'm saying and you know the guys who are the status quo in this industry you know ifbb pro who will never tell you the correct dosages that they use you know they're secretly if they say they're doing something else i mean it's a lie man secretly they're back there doing you know grams of these injectable anabolics okay so if they say like oh my god this guy's a drug pusher saying you know a thousand milligrams per week no i'm not no i'm not a drug pusher you don't have to do it if you don't want to be a bodybuilder if you just want to be like a men's physique dude who you know he doesn't look like he has thick 3d slabs of serious muscle built up and you're like you know you're a you're a bodybuilder you know if you don't want to look like a bodybuilder you want to look like something else then yeah, you don't have to do this. But I'm telling you right now, okay? This is what bodybuilders do. This is what bodybuilders do. And if that's what you want to do is be a bodybuilder, this is what you have to do. And, you know, it, it's shocking. It can be a little bit shocking. And it can be a, a little bit like, oh, this is something new. This is something that I did not expect. But, dude, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. Don't do it unless you know what you want. Okay, so this is the first episode of the steroids podcast that I have been filming here on location in Thailand. So I realize that you guys may have been hearing some Thai sounds during the last 20 minutes or so of the podcast. So I have now moved locations, but be aware that if you heard some kind of funny noises or funny sounding voices... Those were some Thai sounds. I'm still finding out a good location, a good location to record the podcast here. All right, so the next question is from Marco, who asks, is it possible to build muscle with less calories? How many calories per body weight are necessary? Okay, so this is a good question about recomposition. And like, what is the, you know, what is the reality about body recomposition on steroids? So there are certain steroids and performance-enhancing drugs that are better than others for body recomposition, burning fat, and building muscle at the same time. But I want to preface that by saying that if you expect to build large amounts of muscle and lose large amounts 
of fat at the same time, then recompositioning is not what you what you need to do. Okay, so bulking or cutting is the way. Bulking is the way to gain long, huge amounts of strength and muscle size. Okay, and then cutting is the way to lose large amounts of fat. You know, if you want to build 10 pounds of muscle and you want to lose 10 pounds of fat, then yeah, if you're natural, you could go on steroids and do that. Or if you want to build five pounds of muscle and lose five pounds of fat and you already use steroids, you know, you could go on a cycle and do that. Okay. But if you need to lose 30 pounds of fat, okay. And that's your goal. The only way to make that happen is to eat less food and you know increase your metabolism while using the steroids to hang on to the muscle mass. So you know, if you're on steroids and you're on a good dosage, you know, more than 700 milligrams per week, 700 milligrams or more per week and you are on a calorie deficit, you don't really lose muscle, man. You you will you will have some your muscles will not be full, okay? They will they will look smaller about a week after you start dieting and you're on lower calories and you start losing weight. Um, your muscles will look smaller, but that's not actually muscle loss. It's just the fuel storage and water inside your muscles that makes them appear big and full. Um, it's going down. And so when you start eating again, those will go back to normal, okay? But as far as body recomposition goes, yeah, that's the thing is, is a lot of, you know, you'll hear some people say like, oh, well, I'm recomping or something. Well, if you've got serious amounts of fat to lose, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm sorry to tell you, but this is the reality is that recomping is not going to be the way to get to your goal. Okay. The way to get to your goal is going to be to restrict the calories that you're consuming and to do cardio. If you were a person that has an extremely high metabolism where it's hard for them to gain weight or when they go off of steroids, they lose weight, that kind of person, okay, you don't need to do cardio. But for the regular people, okay, the vast majority of people who have a normal, regular metabolism, when you go off steroids, you gain fat, okay? Your body recompositions in the wrong direction. You lose muscle and gain fat, okay? And you don't really lose any weight. You just stay the same. So those people need to do cardio and you know, there's all these people out there who are, they have these genetically fast metabolisms and they're like, Oh, you don't do cardio that burns muscle. That's not the average person. Okay. That is not the average person. So for the average person, yes, cardio is an extremely effective tool for losing weight and losing fat. And if you are on steroids at 700 milligrams per week or more, that is a force field around your muscles and they don't really like the muscle tissue doesn't really go away. It'll only look smaller temporarily while you're uh, on, on that calorie calorie restriction. So know that, you know, I wanted Marco to know that when he asked this question that he's asking, you know, is it possible to build muscle with less calories? Yes, but it's limited. It's a limited amount of muscle. Okay, if the main indicator for recompositioning and if it's working good is if your weight is staying the same on the scale, okay? It's not going up, it's not going down, it's staying the same on the scale and you are continually gaining strength on your maximum lifts over time, okay? Over weeks. And I'm talking about something like 
you know, you're lifting, let's just say this for an example, okay? Two plates, two wheels on each side of the bench press. So 100 kilograms or 220 pounds on the bench press. And let's say you can do that for 15 reps, okay? Well, now you add on another five kilograms or 10 pounds on each side, and you're able to do the same amount of reps, 15 reps, okay? The next month, okay? And your weight didn't go up. You didn't gain weight. You didn't lose weight. Okay, well, that's a sign of body recomposition, okay? Gaining muscle and losing fat at the same time. And if you want to continue being on steroids and gaining weight and losing fat at the same time, then, you know, that can't just stop after one month. That has to be continuing. And that's how you're going to know whether your body recomposition is being successful or whether you need to, you know, cut or bulk. Because... Strength is a serious indicator of muscle growth and performance enhancement. If you are not having uh, an increase in strength over time, then your muscles are not getting bigger. So the only thing that steroids do, you know, they're not magic. They make it so that the fats, carbs, and proteins that you eat are digested and used more effectively for building muscle. So if you're not uh, gaining strength, gaining reps on your lifts in the gym well then you know those steroids are not being there you're not delivering the fuel for those steroids to use to build the muscles and that's the bottom line um recompositioning is one of these things that it's sort of like an excuse like it does work it does it does work but what i'm trying to tell you is that it works in a limited manner five pounds of muscle gain five pounds of fat loss, something like that, okay? That's where body recompositioning is useful. But in severe cases, not even severe, but just in cases where you want to change, you know, you want to drop a bunch of fat or you want to gain a bunch of muscle, body recomposition is not useful. The one area where this could be, you know, where there could be an exception to this rule is if you're talking about somebody who is natural, they've never used gear before, and now they go on a big cycle for the first time, you know? Like 350 milligrams of Trenbolone per week, 600 milligrams of testosterone per week, 50 milligrams of Dianabol per day, or something like that, okay? Now, now somebody who's natural and goes on something like that, yes, they can do something like losing 15 pounds of fat and gaining 15 pounds of muscle over three or four months or something like that, okay? But for the vast majority of guys, it's it's not that way. And so you said, like, you know, how much... You asked, um, you asked, you know, how many calories do you need per body weight? So you need to be maintaining your weight. That's what recompositioning is, is maintaining your weight and having that... and having the muscle go up and the fat go down. And so putting yourself in the optimal the optimal position for doing body recomposition is a bodybuilding bro diet a lot of protein a lot of carbs and they have to be starch carbs not sugar carbs it has to be something like grain like bread like potato like oat like rice it has to be those kind of starch carbs that your muscles can use for fuel storage and powering your workouts helping you to be stronger for longer during your workouts and then eating a lot of protein, that's what you need to be doing. And then maintaining your weight 
while eating, not changing your weight, not going up, not going down while you're eating those kinds of things. And then when you are not able to gain strength anymore, I mean, in order to keep the body recomposition going, you have either the choice basically of increasing your drugs. You know, you, you could increase your drugs, the amounts of steroids and performance enhancing drugs that you're using to start, you know, continually. Well, your body has stopped adapting to being on a maintenance calories intake and being able to add strength. So what's a variable you can change? adding more steroids in order to make it so that your body can now do more with this limited amount of food that you're supplying it with. Otherwise, it's not going to do much and you're just going to be stagnating and you're going to be wondering something like, why am I taking steroids for all of this time? But I don't really look that much different from my first cycle, stuff like that. Well, it's because you're not gaining strength continually. You're not improving your performance continually because you're not supplying the base ingredients, enough fats, carbs, and proteins for the amount of drugs that you're on to increase your performance. So this stuff, I mean, it's, it's really black and white. It's really black and white. And like I said, body recomposition, this is one of those things. Guys, it doesn't feel good to diet. It doesn't feel good. It feels like shit, okay? That's why, you know, cardio, if, you're, if you wanna lose weight, cardio is very valuable because cardio is a way to lose weight and not feel like shit, okay? Restricting your calories, it feels like shit, and it's something that you're gonna have to do in order to lose weight if you're not doing a lot of cardio. And then, as far as gaining a lot of muscle and a lot of strength, there is no alternative to that but gaining weight on the scale. Losing a lot of fat, getting really shredded, there is no alternative to that but losing weight on the scale. That's the way it is. I hope that clears things up for you guys with body recomposition and how that works. And then how, you know, if you've been giving yourself a set amount of calories each week and then your performance stops being able to increase, well, you have two options. You can either increase the amount of food that you're giving so that your drugs can now utilize that food to keep on uh, increasing performance, giving it more food, or so that would make you gain weight, or you can just not do that and increase the amount of drugs, which would then make your body be able to more effectively utilize the food that you are giving it and might be able to help you to be able to increase your performance some more for longer. But, you know, that's not the long, long-term way to be doing things. All right, the next question is from Jordan, who asks... What are the effects of a slightly elevated liver for a long time? No signs of jaundice or lethargy. Urine also remains clear since I'm always hydrated. Yeah, liver stress can be seen in the eyes. That's the main, the main indicator of liver stress is your eyes. The whites of your eyes. So... If you guys have ever watched the, the Delray Misfits, look at Big Lenny. And they, they make jokes about like, oh my gosh, his eyes are like gray or something. Or they, they look bad, right? Well, that's because he likes to use a lot of D-ball. He likes to use a lot of Diana ball and not coming off of it. So if you have a fucked up liver, it takes about 30 days of no liver stress for your liver to recover. Okay? So to let you know, if you have a fucked up liver... 
from drinking alcohol or from taking tons of oral steroids for long periods of time and not coming off, stuff like that. You got to go off of whatever you're doing to cause your liver to have all that stress for about 30 days and then your liver cells, that's generally enough time for your liver cells to regenerate and become healthy again, okay? But the main sign of, you know, yes, dark, dark urine, dark urine is a sign of liver stress, but it's really even, it's more of a sign of kidney stress, okay, rather than anything. It's more of a sign of kidney stress. For liver stress, the main, the main indicator is look at your eyes, okay? Look at your eyes. Are they bloodshot? Are they gray? Do they have a yellowish tint to them? A lot of people say like, oh, jaundice and like getting yellow eyes. Okay. That's not actually a primary, you know, that's, that's severe. Okay. That's very severe. But the main indicator that you will see when your liver, you know, you ask me, what are the slight, slightly elevated liver enzymes? What are the, what is a warning sign? My liver is not healthy and I need to stop what I'm doing before this becomes much more serious. Okay. What is the, what is the indicator of that? The indicator of that is bloodshot eyes, okay? Reddish eyes, bloodshot eyes, the whites of your eyes not being bright and white. Some people genetically do not have bright white eyes, but you know what your baseline, you know, the whites of your eyes, you know what the baseline looks like. And if you see them, it's not yellow, okay? It's not, it's, you know, that they become yellow at a much very severe, extreme and dangerous state, okay? But the sign that your liver is being under stress and you need to stop what you're doing before it becomes a serious problem is those whites of the eyes becoming a bit reddish and bloodshot. That is the number one indicator for liver stress. Okay. Next question is, oh, he also asked about Jordan. Jordan also asked about 200 milligrams of testosterone per week and 200 milligrams Mastron per week for TRT. And yeah, this is something that, that people do. Uh, so when you've been on steroid cycle for a long time and you then go off of steroid cycle or you've been on strong steroids and then you go off to a cruise dose, you know what? Because you've been on those uh, high dosages of steroids where your steroid receptors, your hormone receptors have been under a lot of stress um, and have been you know, they, they desensitize a bit. And so then when you go back down the, you go back down to 200 milligrams or something of testosterone per week, your sex drive can be like shot for a little while for like two or three weeks while those hormone receptors in your brain resensitize to, Oh, you know, 200 milligrams of testosterone, you know, is a normal amount again, rather than, you know, a thousand five hundred milligrams of total steroids or something that your brain was receiving per week before. So it's very common to go off of a strong cycle, especially if someone uses something like Tren um, and or just, I mean, anything, a really high dosage of testosterone, whatever, and you go down to 200 milligrams per week, it, it's, it's not unusual. It's more common than not to, for two or three weeks, have a pretty, a pretty significant dip in your sex drive um, and sexual ability, okay? So people, th that's annoying. Obviously, that's annoying because you're still on, you know, testosterone, but your sex drive is screwed for two or three weeks. And so there's a couple ways that people combat this. You can either just, you know, not care and just know that in those two or three weeks that you're on the testosterone after you've come off the uh, 
off the cycle that your sex drive is going to be lower. Or like Jordan was asking, you know, what do you think about Masteron at 200 milligrams per week for the cruise with the testosterone, 200 milligrams? 200 milligrams per week for the cruise. Another thing that people do is they add 25 milligrams of proviron per day to deal with this. And yeah, that does take care of the uh, low sex drive side effects. You know, you won't have that dip anymore, but it's also not, you know, a pure cruise where you, you're still, if you do it like that, you've still got some stuff in, in your blood that is causing, you know, some stress to you. Proviron and Masteron, not very stressful. Okay. Masteron is used for breast cancer. Well, it was before anti-aromatase drugs like letrozole and stuff like that were around. It used to be used at 1,400 milligrams per week in women for treating breast cancer, okay? It was used in very high dosages for long periods of time for treating breast cancer. It's a very well-tolerated drug by humans, Masteron. Yes, it has a lot of side effects um, as far as like acne and oily skin and feeling annoyed, uh, feeling agitated, and also an extremely high sex drive, okay? And then Proviron is basically orally available uh, Masteron. It's just basically Masteron and Proviron are the same thing. Masteron, they have the same effects. You know, anecdotally, when you take them, you can't really tell the difference between the two. 100 milligrams of Proviron per day has the same effects as 100 milligrams of Masteron per day. And... They, they both have these, you know, lifting up your sex drive effects. So if you want to do TRT and you want to add in, you know, 200 milligrams per week of Masteron or 25 milligrams per day of Proviron to your TRT, no, I don't really see a problem with that. Both are human-grade drugs. Both are drugs that are used, you know, by in high dosages. You know, Masteron is – or sorry – the Masteron is used up to 1,400 milligrams per week, and the Proviron in old men is used from 75 milligrams up to like 150 milligrams per day uh, for treating impotence or low sex drive in old men, and uh, also depression in old men. Those are the usages for it. So, and that's by in medicine that they're using. They're very well tolerated drugs in humans without having you know any kind of side, you know, massive health side effects and things like that. But it isn't just a pure cruise. So know, so know that normally when you do your cruise, what you're trying to do is get your body back to normal, back to homeostasis, okay? And you want to just be taking the, uh, the natural, you know, replacing your natural hormone at that, po- at that point. You don't want to be doing all this stuff with all these steroids and drugs all the time on your cruise. Because that's kind of like a smoker, you know, saying, oh, I smoked 10 cigarettes per day but now um when i'm trying to get my tolerance down or something i'm going to smoke you know two cigarettes per day well how about if you want your tolerance to go down you know just just smoke no cigarettes per day or something or the same thing when somebody says you know i want to take a you you know i I don't want to be so uh addicted to coffee or caffeine anymore or something you know saying okay well i'll only drink you know one cup of coffee per day instead of four cups of coffee per day you know, the, the best way to do it, if you want to reduce your tolerance and, you know, get your ba- body back to normal, is to do no coffee per day, okay? So the best way with the steroids is the same thing on the cruise. The point of the cruise is to reduce your tolerance to steroids, get back to normal, and just be doing the natural way, okay? So that then when you get back on the steroids again, you're at a full health with no, no strain on your body, and 
you go from you know normal again back up back up to a, a performance enhancement dosage so the best way and the point the whole point of cruising is to just replace the natural hormone levels so if you're doing more than that adding proviron mastron deca whatever is it optimal no is it acceptable yeah you can do that if you want to it's not what i would recommend but it's not going to have severe effects severe consequences on you if you're using 200 milligrams of mastron per day with your trt or sorry 200 milligrams of mastron per week with your trt or 25 milligrams of proviron per day with your trt it's not going to have severe negative effects but it's not an optimal optimal way to do trt or an optimal way to cruise it's just not that's the truth there's a lot of excuses that people can make can make but it's not optimal okay the next question is from joel and he asks how long do you think you could take 10 milligram super super draw for without it affecting appetite i'm thinking 600 milligrams testosterone 200 milligrams trenbolone uh with per week with five milligrams of super draw twice per day this is instead of the equipoise bulk cycle is it's cheaper and maybe more effective yeah well super draw is very effective so super draw is extremely effective okay it has extreme strength increasing effects it really enhances the way that your body uses carbohydrates in your muscles even at low dosages like that 10 milligrams per day five milligrams morning and night yeah it will have you know it will have a large effect if you're eating a good bulking diet you the the 10 milligrams of super draw per day adding that to your cycle will have a large effect but you ask for how long could you take it without it affecting your appetite and mainly what i'm going to say i'm going to interpret that what you're asking as you know how long can you take it without it you know having detrimental effects on your health where you're going to need to stop taking it and the answer to that is anywhere from 3 to 5 weeks um you know super super draw it doesn't really matter what dosage you take it the stuff is very toxic okay it it is it is more toxic than steroids like anadrol or dianabol or um or winstrol stuff like that okay um super draw it was it was invented by the same companies that invented those human grade steroids that were marketed and are the traditional steroids that are used by by bodybuilders so syntex is the company that was researching all those roids and then um releasing the ones that were had the best had the best um, muscle building effects and the least health effects okay super draw was one of the ones that they researched and yeah it had great muscle building effects but it also had severe liver effects and that's the thing is that when you use super draw after three weeks or so you're going to start noticing that your eyes look different and your liver is going to be under stress, okay? And after like four or five weeks, you're going to notice a pretty significant and like severe difference, like in your eyes, your energy, etc. Things like that, being tired all the time, not wanting to eat, having bloodshot eyes. This is what Superdrol does because it's toxic. It's it's like it's like a light poison, okay? Yes, it's extremely effective for bodybuilding, and yes, it can be used as an alternative to trend. Trend is also very toxic, okay? So a lot of these, you know, there's no, there's no like, there's always a catch-22. You can't have these super powerful compounds that are going to be, you know, giving you these super powerful quick effects to your physique, like Trend and Superdraw, without having, you know, an equally negative 
health effect. You know, that's just the way it is. You know, for everything that goes up, everything must come down. So super draw, it should be used sparingly. It should not be something that you're relying on to build your physique and stuff like that. And it's individual. Um, some guys, I've known some guys that can't take more than 10 milligrams of super draw, 10 to 20 milligrams super draw for two or three weeks. And then they have to stop for me. I can take it from three to five weeks and then I have to stop. Um, it just depends on the time, different times that I've taken it have been different amounts of time before I've realized, Hey, I'm getting toxic. This is definitely negatively affecting my health and I have to stop doing this now. Um, yep, that's just the reality <laughs> on Superdraw. It is, it is what it is. All right, and then the next question is from Nick, who asks, What SARMs can be used by women? My girlfriend is currently on 5 milligrams of LGD, and she going good, no pussy growth happening. When you said Anavar grows pussy, you mean clitoris, by the way. Right. Ha ha. Yeah, I, I do mean that, but I mean the whole thing. So it's it's not just the clitoris that grows when a woman uh, takes steroid. It's her entire um, outer pussy area, okay? Um, like the, the inner lips of their, of their pussy and, and even the outer lips. Just the entire thing grows, okay? Like um, the, the inner lips, the corresponding... So you know that all fetuses start out like unisex okay like you know men have nipples um and you know women have breasts um, men have a penis women have a clitoris um men have a scrotum you know a ball sack women have inner vagina lips they all come from the same tissue in the embryo and then they um and they become the corresponding uh parts of the male and female reproductive system and that's dictated by hormones, okay? So the only difference the, between the, the male and the female uh, reproductive system that, that makes them you know, either go to male or female from that um, ambiguous or not male and female state that they start out at is hormones, okay? And the, the way that they go if you don't have male hormones, if you just have female hormones or no hormones, is being the female way okay and then if you have male hormones then all of a sudden those tissues become a, a male reproductive system so the thing that that happens is since women have never had these male hormones ever exposed to their system before and since male hormones make the genital tissues go towards male development what happens is if they ever take any steroids they're ever exposed to any androgens, any male hormones ever at any point during their life, the first thing that happens to them is their genitals start becoming a man's genitals, okay? So does that mean that they have the hardware to, you know, grow, you know, testicles and a ball sack and a penis? No. You know, when they were, when they were young, when they were babies growing up inside the womb, you know, that time already passed. But they can become like, they can, they can become similar or ambiguous. Like, you know, a hermaphrodite, someone who has, you know, undetectable 
genitals it's like it's kind of a male genital and it's kind of a female genital it's it's like it looks kind of ambiguous it doesn't look like you can totally tell the difference between them uh you know so easily you know like normally you look at a pussy that looks nothing like a cock okay you know you look <laughs> at a pussy that looks nothing like a cock and a balls okay well once you start adding male hormones to females okay their pussies start becoming looking like cock and balls okay it doesn't become cock and balls but it becomes more similar to so where you're th saying okay i like yeah it's still kind of like a pussy but it kind of looks like a cock and balls too okay that that's what it means ambiguous genital genit genitals okay and and that that is that is not a, a good effect you know some people say some stupid ass shit like um hey if you uh, you know, if you do that and you're going to, the women is going to have like a better orgasm or like an easier time having an orgasm or something like that. Okay. Let me tell you something. Okay. Let me tell you something. No fucking woman ever went into the gym and said, you know, I'm doing this because, you know, I want my, uh, clitoris to turn into, you know, a, you know, a pseudo penis where you can't really tell the difference between or you know somebody sees it and it's like this big protruding thing and it grows in thickness too um and and it's like oh well it you know it kind of looks like a woman's you know pussy but it kind of looks like a guy's cock at the same time you know there was no fucking woman ever who went into the gym saying that that's what she wanted to do okay so again people make these insane excuses and stuff like like oh yeah we'll help you be better at orgasm or something no okay it may have that effect. It may have that effect. But you know what? You didn't want to become a fucking transvestite. You know, no woman went into the gym with saying, I want to be a transvestite. I, you know, I want to transform my genitals into looking, you know, halfway between a man and halfway between a female. Okay. And like I said, it's not just the clitoris that grows. Okay. It's everything. The entire pussy grows. The lips grow. The, the the lips become they they become more rugged and uh, hanging down more and looking more like a man's scrotum. Um, you know, if you guys want to see um, extreme pictures of what the ultimate outcome of this is, then Google Denise Massino pussy on Google with the safe search off, and you know you will see you know the ultimate um, outcome of what happens between a woman's legs when she takes steroids when she takes male hormones okay it's not pretty it, it's you know so revolting okay so that would be the ultimate outcome and so when a normal woman starts taking male hormones she gets on the train of progressing towards that ultimate outcome that doesn't happen overnight looking like that but it does start happening the beginning of it starts happening within the first few days of using male hormones okay just like when you take testosterone and the first effect that you have on your nipples, because you have high estrogen levels for the first time in your life, what do high estrogen levels do? They make the breasts start forming, okay? Okay, what do high androgens do in women? They make the penis and testicles start forming, okay? So if you take male hormones and you're a woman, you start to form male genitals, penis and scrotum, okay? It's a very very disgusting and sad sad thing that women are you know convinced that this is some kind of good thing in bodybuilding 
or that this is something that is going to happen from their bodybuilding because I guarantee you that there is no woman on planet Earth that went into the gym and this was, you know, her ambition was, you know, I want to grow some some male genitals. I want to make, you know, my my vagina, um, you know, become more like a penis and and testicles and, you know, huge and something that between my legs is no good. Okay, so you said that your girlfriend is not having any effects on five milligrams of LGD 40, 33 per day. Good for her. You know what? Most women that do uh, take LGD or Osterine or any other SARMs or Anivar or Winstrol, women also take DECA. They, they'll take like 50 milligrams of DECA per week or Primabolin, same thing, like 50 milligrams of Primabolin per week. You know, all of these things, even at these super low dosages, usually the first thing that it does is it starts affecting their pussy. Your, your girlfriend is unusual in that it's not doing that to her. But if you increase the dosage, it would start doing that to her, okay? So there are some women that, you know, just like there are some men that can, you know, take some testosterone and, and not have the, uh, you know, not grow breasts if they don't use uh, an estrogen blocker or an anti-estrogen tablet. There are some women um, that at low dosages uh, of these steroids can, you know, not have these uh, pussy growth effects but for the vast majority, they do, okay? And that's the first thing that starts happening when they're using them. Before the muscles, before anything, the first thing that starts happening when they start taking them within the first few days is they start to notice that their genitals, their pussy is itching and burning and starts growing. And once it starts growing, it's permanent, just like gyno with you. Once you start growing that gyno, it's permanent. You know, if she stops taking it after the first, if she stops taking the steroids, the male hormones, the SARMs, after the first couple days, yeah, no permanent effects, okay? Goes back to normal, okay? But if she keeps on taking those for like, you know, a week or more, and she's noticing these effects, like itchy, burning genitals, dude, it's permanent. Like, she's going to have a big pussy for the rest of her life. And also, it affects their voices, like their voices become really hoarse and raspy and like a boy going through puberty. Taking steroids, taking male hormones. Okay. Why the fuck would a woman take male hormones? I don't like masculine women. I don't like masculine women. What fucking bodybuilder likes masculine women? Okay. One of the whole reasons why guys like bodybuilding is because they're in sexual dimorphism, which means the difference between men and women, the physical difference between men and women, they want to be more masculine. And generally, if they want to be more masculine, you know, men want to be more masculine then generally they prefer women who are more feminine, traditional bodybuilders are traditionally, you know, the vast majority of bodybuilders are conservative, traditional guys. Um, with, we're not talking like the, the pro bodybuilders, okay? Because their heads are all fucked up from, from Trenbolone use at extreme dosages, okay? And so they're like perverts and sex freaks, you know? It, this is not politically correct, guys, but, you know, that's the way it is, okay? That's the way it is, and that's what Trenbolone in high dosages does to you. It totally fucks with your brain, um, especially, you know, the sexuality of your brain, Trenbolone at high dosages, so, 
as far as you know what can they use as far as what can women use uh do not use male hormones okay do not use male hormones don't go to the gym to become more manly if you're a woman don't use male hormones if you have got to take some supplements if you're a woman if you've got to take some supplements for some fitness and for some gym i'll tell you okay human growth hormone and clenbuterol those are the things and if they've got to take something if they have got to take something more than that to get like you know more hard and uh, lean for a bodybuilding competition, a stage or something like that, then they can suppress their estrogen levels. They can do something like taking some Arimidex or some Novidex, okay? But that is going to have negative effects, like negative effects on their boobs and stuff like that, okay? Like breaking them down. Uh, but that will allow them to get rid of some of that um, estrogen or female-related fat that makes them look like females, like fat around their butts, fat around their hips, fat on their thighs, having those lower estrogen levels like that if they suppress their estrogen hormone levels with Arimidex or Novidex or something like that. Um, but the, you know, they shouldn't do that. They should not be manipulating their hormones. They should be doing something like taking clenbuterol that'll help, help them burn fat on their whole body. And it'll, it won't make it so that they lose womanly fat. Okay. And start looking more like a man because it won't do any, it's not a hormone. It's a stimulant. Clenbuterol is a stimulant and it reduces fat on the body. It makes their cardio work better. It'll even make them a little bit stronger. Human growth hormone, it makes their skin have more collagen. It makes their skin be a little bit thicker. It makes their, their hair grow better their and quicker. It makes their nails grow stronger and quicker. Things like that, okay? So if, and it also makes them burn fat. So it doesn't really do much for the muscles, though, because, you know, they're not going to be taking it with male hormones. Um, human growth hormone has to be combined with male hormones in order to build muscle. If you're not combining it with male hormones, it's not going to build muscle. So the ideal, the best supplements, the best PEDs for women are clenbuterol and human growth hormone. And if they have to take something more for a few, you know, just for a little bit of time to do, to get stage ready, to get stage ready to do a bodybuilding competition, then as a last resort, something like Novidex or Arimidex, okay, to suppress their estrogen levels a little bit and help them get rid of their womanly fat that makes them look like a woman, okay, and their nice womanly soft skin that makes them look like a woman. You know, taking Arimidex and Novidex can help them get rid of those things if they absolutely must do that. But as soon as you start adding in for the vast majority, for the vast majority, as soon as you start adding in steroids, SARMs, anything that stimulates male hormone receptors, the first thing that happens is their pussy starts growing, okay? Their vagina lips become more wrinkly, long, hanging down, scrotum-like. Their clitoris grows ahead on it, starts protruding out of what looks like a foreskin, starts getting more harder and erect the look of their genitals it looks kind of like a cock and balls okay it looks kind of like a pussy it looks kind of like a cock and balls this is a very sensitive subject and is it's one of these subjects you know like trembolone with guys and how it like makes your dick smaller when you're on it and if you're not using cabergolin on it you have zero ability 
uh, you know, as the dosages increase, zero ability to get an erection, zero ability to have an orgasm, you know, stuff that people just do not want to talk about and never really have talked about in the history of bodybuilding, but it's just the way it is. And, you know, this is the same thing with this thing with women taking steroids. It's, It's like everybody talks about, you know, when you talk about negative steroid side effects in women and then people say like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, it it the the deep voice or something and and they act like oh well that's the only effect uh the deep voice or like maybe their their hair isn't growing as good or something because they took some steroids and like those are the negative effects no there is a much much more insidious effect and that is the fact that their pussy quickly starts to resemble a cock and balls okay the last thing i want to talk about today is recreational drugs mixed with performance-enhancing drugs. Now, hormones in general, male hormones in general, it's more of a long-term game where your health is going to be affected, where you're taking, you know, steroids for a long period of time, you know, over years, over decades, and you have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, you have bad blood lipids over long periods of time. And then it starts to screw up your veins and arteries, fill them up with plaque. You grow an enlarged heart from gaining 100 pounds of muscle and a bigger person has a bigger heart. That's the way it is. So you do those things and you do them for a long time. Now you're putting yourself at a more susceptible risk to when you add something like recreational drugs, especially recreational drugs that make your heart rhythm change or make the the way that your valves are pressing together and pounding, you know, how hard that's happening different or the speed at which your heart is contracting, you know, you add that with long-term steroid use and somebody who has some blockages and plaques and things like that, high cholesterol, high blood pressure over the long term and the effects of those things from taking steroids for a long time. Yeah, you can get a bad event, you know, a bad event and early death when you combine that kind of a situation with recreational drugs, okay? And generally, the kinds of recreational drugs that cause these really bad effects like this is stimulants, okay? So, stimulants affect your heart. Things like caffeine, things like Adderall, amphetamine, methamphetamine, MDMA, speed, molly, ecstasy, all these things that are stimulants They affect the rhythm of your heart, how hard your heart beats, how fast it beats. You combine these things with steroids, these, this is the danger zone. Okay. This is the danger zone, especially long-term steroid use, things like high blood pressure and doing that. You're putting yourself in a dangerous situation. Now, where something you could get an acute side effect where you could you know, spontaneously die even without, you know, having been on steroids long-term and having those kinds of, you know, long-term health effects, um, you know, happening and building up over time. So that then when you take the recreational drugs, your arteries and heart and veins and stuff like that are not healthy. You take the recreational drugs, you know, after doing that, you know, taking the steroids, having the, the bad arteries and veins and heart for, you know, decades, take the, recreational drugs that can be something that tips you over the edge and you know ends up with a heart attack or a stroke or something like that well there's another way that you could you know not have to be taking you know performance enhancing drugs 
for a long time and then you mix those performance enhancing drugs with recreational drugs and you could die and that's not it's not really something that is combined you know combining steroids with them it's combining things like t3 and clenbuterol and then taking recreational drugs on top of that or using diuretics and then taking recreational drugs on top of that okay so we're going to go over really quickly you know why that is so T3, clenbuterol, and diuretics, they all change your electrolyte levels. And your electrolyte levels are essential for your heart beating because there's, there's an electrical signal that is going down from your brain and then it goes to your heart and it causes the valves in your heart to contract, okay? And in order for that signal to be able to go through all the valves in your heart the correct way and make your heart beat the, the right way that it's supposed to be beating on the right rhythm, the right speed, and the right hardness of contraction, you got to have proper electrolyte levels. So if you've been sweating a lot, if you've been taking drugs that affect your electrolyte levels, like diuretics, clenbuterol, T3, these things can make the rhythm of your heart change, the speed at which your heart is contracting change, the speed at which the heart is working, okay? They can have bad effects on the heart. Now you combine that with recreational drugs that also have those effects at the same time. And, you know, you can have a cardiac event, a cardiac arrest, a heart attack, a stroke, stuff like that, that can just happen spontaneously from combining things like clenbuterol, T3, with recreational drugs, especially stimulants like cocaine, high dosages of caffeine, you know, we're talking extreme dosages of caffeine, um, or MDMA, ecstasy, or combining all of these at the same time, okay? If you're on clenbuterol, for example, or you're on T3, both of which seriously affect the rhythm of your heart, you know, that is so dangerous to be on those and at the same time be using something like ecstasy, methamphetamine, Adderall that also have direct effects on your heart, okay? That can literally, I'm not saying it will kill you. I'm not saying it will kill you. You'll probably be okay, okay? But it can kill you. That's one of those things where you can mess up one time and you can die, okay? It's not really from combining male hormones with those recreational drugs, but it's from combining things like T3 and clenbuterol or diuretics those things with recreational drugs messing up one time with those things even if you're new to using performance enhancing drugs with those combinations messing up one time you can die so that's that's the main thing that you want to just steer clear of you know something like smoking weed dude that that's not that doesn't have no effect okay it has no effect it can you know make your heart rhythm a little weird so if you're taking T3 or clenbuterol and you smoke some weed, you know, it can make your heart kind of feel like it's like beating out of your chest or something for a little while. But it doesn't have these same direct effects on the electrical signal that's going into your heart that's making uh, your heart malfunction. Okay. So do not, do not combine these things. A lot, a lot of guys, you know, in the bodybuilding culture, raving raving, going to, to dance clubs, going to dance festivals, and taking ecstasy 
Uh, this is a very common thing, taking methamphetamine. This is a common thing that, that you know, bodybuilders are known to be doing, taking Adderall, taking alcohol, combining all these substances. And a lot of times, you know what? These same guys are using clenbuterol and T3 or even diuretics at the same time to look good and look like a superhuman at this event. You know, very ripped, very shredded with the diuretics, the T3, the clenbuterol in there. And then on top of that, they're drinking alcohol and they're dropping ecstasy, which has, you know, who knows what in it, ephedrine, caffeine combined with MDMA, which is a type of methamphetamine. It's a methamphetamine analog. Okay, these kinds, this kind of thing is so foolish and it can kill you in a one-off time doing it. It can, it, it can. That's the reality. If you do that kind of thing, you're taking a risk at dying right then. Another thing that you're doing that, that, could do, that could take a risk at dying is having your electrolyte levels out of balance. Um, like I said, with the heart beating. So make sure that, you know, if you absolutely must do this kind of thing, here's one thing that could help save you from dying from mixing stimulants, recreational drugs with clenbuterol, T3, and diuretics and going to a dance festival or something is electrolytes. You know, if there is one thing that could help you, if, if you're going to do that and there's nothing that I can do to prevent you from doing that, then the one thing that could help you reduce the risk would be electrolytes and making sure that your full electrolyte panel, the calcium, the magnesium, the sodium, the potassium are at optimal levels. But if you're taking diuretics, well, they're not at optimal levels, okay? So now you're screwed again. This is why it's not, it's not wise. Do not, do not mix, do not mix T3, do not mix clenbuterol and do not mix diuretics with stimulant party drugs like cocaine or methamphetamine or ecstasy molly stuff like that you're at you're putting yourself at risk of dying from doing that you're putting yourself at risk it's it's an extreme risk-taking behavior if you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast Go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.